Welcome to another episode of Dosh Chronicles. I'm your host, Sherry Witt Snow. I have an MBA and a successful career in finance in Silicon Valley. And I'm Trevor Snow, musician, teacher, engineer, and hustler. This is a conversation between a boomer and a millennial about the one topic that you didn't learn about in school, and that is personal financial management. We left off uh, talking in our last episode about budget guidelines uh, in terms of figuring out uh, how to divide up the pot of money that you uh, have in terms of your salary. Uh, And I threw out uh, uh, just a general guideline of 10% for charity, 10% to uh, yourself, and then the remaining 80% is divided between needs and wants. And um, in discussing this with Trevor, he said that he wanted to talk about debt because debt is can it can be, as we discussed, it could be either a need or a want, depending on how you handle it. So, um, so we're going to move right into uh, talking about the different kinds of debt and how to manage debt. And um, I know for uh, my generation, the boomers, uh, the kind of debt that we have usually carry would be a mortgage, a car payment, and credit card debt, and medical debt as well. And for um, the millennials, I know um, the biggest piece is uh, is uh, credit card debt <laughs> and student debt and medical debt. But where we just were when we were planning this episode, we got into a pretty heavy duty discussion on how to use a credit card. Mm-hmm. So um, take it away, Trevor with the point that you said that you wanted to make sure was brought out. Don't use a credit card and go into debt without a plan to get out of it. Okay. I think that's good wisdom, but sitting across from you is someone who says that don't use a credit card at all. If you can't pay it off in the months that you incur the expense, that means that you're living beyond your means. However, credit cards can be used to soften the blow of a big purchase, uh, and this is the smart way to go into debt. Um, say you have a little bit of extra money and you want to get that thing that you want, or maybe you need to get big maintenance done on your car, so it's going to be a big purchase. Um, maybe you do have the cash to cover it, maybe you don't, but if you have enough to commit to a monthly payment, say six to eight months, you can get out of debt, but you will end up paying a little more than retail for your purchase because credit cards, they need to make money. So what they do is they give you access to their funds and they back your purchases. They pay the retailer, they take on your debt, and then they charge you interest for essentially using their resources to um, you know, uh, finance your life. So if you make a big purchase without a plan to get out of the debt and you just pay the minimum monthly due on your credit card, 
you might not ever be able to get out of debt. But if you go into it with a plan, it can be much more manageable. And uh, yes, you do end up paying a little bit more to the credit card company, but it can soften the blow. Well, what I hear you saying then is um, you shouldn't be using a credit card for an impulse purchase. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> okay, so this is where we we do agree. Um, I tend to think of credit cards as only for emergencies if there's no other way to cover a need, then um, that credit card is the last resort. Yeah, and that goes into what I was saying is when that happens, you need to commit to a monthly payment that is more than the minimum so that you can get out of debt. This is, this is the trap that they put you in. That's why I really advise against using credit cards. Yeah, because think about how they're marketed. Yes. How are they marketed? Fun. Yeah, you know, adventure. You know, Easy pay for money. Your, well, not necessarily. It's like uh, credit card companies uh, with their advertisements say you can um, you buy the extra thing, you can go on vacation, uh, but we're using it for fun here. We're not using your credit card to pay your rent. No, never use your credit card to pay your rent. However, some people end up using a credit card to pay, for example, a doctor's visit. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this is the slippery slope. Uh, Trevor and I agree on certain principles about credit card usage, but we don't agree on everything, uh, as I think you can hear here. Um, credit cards um, are, it's really easy to use them for the fun purchase. Say you're going out with your buddies, um, to, I don't know, a club, and, um, you know, you end up buying a round of drinks uh, on, and you put it on your credit card. That's fine to do, in my view, if you pay it off before it comes due, because most credit cards, if you pay the balance in full before the end of the month that it's due then you won't be charged interest. And we're looking at a lot of interest. We're looking at 24 to 35% interest on credit cards. So be careful when you're using a credit card. In fact, if you can avoid it, don't even carry your credit card in your wallet. Um, I had one client that would keep her credit card in the freezer. Uh, that way... You know, she really had to think about uh, going to the freezer to get the credit card out uh, to make the purchase, which I think is kind of what Trevor is talking about in think about what you're doing, make a plan. Is, is there any other way to manage this particular purchase? Uh, which I guess are we segueing into the rainy day emergency fund discussion? Yeah. Uh, one point I'd like to make, though, is that with credit cards comes a credit score. So I That's unfortunately, true. the system is rigged uh, that we need to have a credit card and go into debt in order for lenders down the road, say a bank financing your mortgage, for them to see us as reliable. So really, I should have gotten into the credit game a little earlier. Uh, you know, I started off small, Target red card, $200 maximum limit. And that got me on the road to building my credit. Um, 
because it was such a small credit limit, I was never in trouble with it. I was always able to pay it off. Uh, even if I carried a balance on it, I could have just paid it off with the snap of a finger. This is only 200 bucks. But um, credit is, again, something that needs to be had. It needs to be used. But be careful with it because you can dig yourself a pretty deep hole. And then will lenders see you as reliable? No. It's almost like an allowance. <laughs> if you burn through all of it and you can't ever pay it off, then uh, lenders will be like, hey, this person racks up tons of debt, doesn't ever manage to pay it off, moves their balances around, constantly hunting for credit. Um, we can't safely give them $200,000 for a house. Those are really good points that you make. And I know that it's frustrating uh, for uh, people when they're first starting out. And shoot, it's frustrating for me right now. Um, I know that when every, every time we apply for a new credit card, we get dinged on our credit score um, because somebody's pulling a credit report. And um, because we've applied for a card with more favorable terms. We're all um, so that is very frustrating. The other thing that they look at uh, is how high that approved balance is and how you're using it. We have been dinged because certain lenders, um, say for mortgages, think that that the approved level that the credit card company has given us is too high, and we could possibly use all of that. Yeah, but that's not. Your fault, and that's also a signal of trust from the credit card company that you're not going to. <laughs> so it's just, it's a huge mess. It is. It's, it's a whole, uh, it's a whole hole, I guess I should say. Uh, you know, in terms of being trying to manage that, and in, in terms of your personal financial life, I guess I come down on the side of don't use it if you absolutely can avoid it, um, especially when you're starting out. Use it very sparingly. Of course, I agree. Um, I think when I started, the first card I got was from Nordstrom's. And again, it was a $200 limit. And I... Big bucks back then. <laughs> you know, back in the time when the dinosaurs roamed the land. Mm -hmm. but uh, And so what I would do is I would go and buy pantyhose when women still wore pantyhose. I would buy five pairs of pantyhose and then I would pay it off. And that, would, that gave me some sort of credit score but over six months to a year. So uh, I, I think... Uh, we are both saying the same thing as regards to when you're getting started. But when, you know, those offers come in the mail, just throw them away. And unless you're planning on doing something where you really need to have a good credit score. Mm -hmm. uh, and it takes a while to build up that credit score. It does. You have to really be careful with it. So, uh, and I was not aware and Trevor was the one who brought this up to me, is that landlords look at credit scores mm -hmm. now. Yeah, yeah, that we touched on that in episode one. Yeah, I didn't realize that that they were doing that. Yeah, it's, are you able to pay your bills, mm -hmm. essentially? Are mm -hmm. you able to give money to the people that you owe money to? Mm -hmm. And, well, a landlord is someone you're going to need to pay monthly for your house. 
mm-hmm. or wherever it is you're living. Mm-hmm. And I did not realize that they were looking at credit card scores or credit scores in order to make that determination. I thought it was, do you have a job and can you prove that you can pay the rent? Yeah, they do that. And then they also check your credit and you know, criminal background. All of that, your credit is included in a standard background check. So again, it's really something that you need to be careful with. Um, and then when you are searching for credit cards, retailers are usually you know, generous. They might give you one if you can prove to them that you have a job, give you a, a really tiny maximum balance. Also take a look at your bank or credit union. They, you know, since you already have an account with them, you're a customer with them, they will be more willing to work with you as far as getting you something that works. I really like credit unions. Uh, in fact, we started with a credit union when your dad and I were first married, uh, and we were looking at buying a new car. Uh, we went to the credit union for uh, a car loan, and uh, we also got a credit card through there. Um, because a, cre- a credit union, it's more, um, more community-oriented than a bank is. And uh, so I definitely think a credit union, uh, when you're looking at getting a uh, credit card and actually opening a bank account, um, a credit union is a, is a good way for when you're first starting out uh, uh, building credit and um, um, managing, uh, building a financial history, I guess I should say. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know that you've done both those things. Mm-hmm. And uh, real quick, difference between bank and credit union like you said, credit unions are community-oriented, but they're also member-owned. When you become a member of a credit union, you buy a share in the company, you um, become, uh, you know, you get a say in the direction of the credit union. So there might be like a monthly stakeholder meeting or a yearly stakeholder meeting or whatever. Um, but essentially what it comes down to is that uh, everybody is working in everybody else's best interest with the credit union. It's a co-op. So... If you want to get a car loan, usually they will back you with the money and they'll give you a reasonable interest rate, you know, um, just because you're a member of the credit union. With banks, however, they are profit driven. They will take your money and invest it in projects. You don't get a say in what they do with it. This is true. This is out. So the banks are the man. We're coming back mm-hmm. to the man. Like for example, really <laughs> quick, for example, <laughs> Chase. We know Chase. Chase Bank. Mm-hmm. They got those. They got great credit card commercials, great deals, rewards, and whatever. But they will take your money, and they did invest in the Keystone XL pipeline. Ah, uh, okay. So they look for. They don't care. They're they're trying to you know make money. So they will put their uh, money behind projects that they think will turn them a profit, and uh, unfortunately, at the expense of the planet and local communities where the Keystone XL pipeline was supposed to pass through. Credit unions, they don't do that. They are run by the community for the community's best interest. Okay, so now we're going back to the macro of, you know, how you use your money mm-hmm. uh, impacts uh, the greater environment and reflects your values. That's why you do need to educate yourself uh, on the options uh, when it comes to credit cards and banks. 
Uh, and, uh, and check with Nerd Wallet. Nerd Wallet. There we go. Now there is something that um, site I use uh, quite regularly when I'm when I'm looking um, for different financial uh, products. I guess I would say. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, Nerd Wallet keeps track of all those investments. Mm-hmm. And and where the, and where the money is going, and that is really important for us as consumers, and uh, yeah, as consumers, because we consume everything. We want to know where that money is going and what our money is supporting, be it a, a, a grocery store or a, a bank or whatever it is. We really want to know what they're using the money that they're getting from us for. Mm-hmm. And so there, that takes a little bit of effort. We can't just trust that what they're saying in their glitzy commercials is really for the best. And there's also plenty of stuff that's left unsaid. <laughs> like J.P. Morgan Chase, they weren't like, hey, we're financing Keystone XL Pipeline. Come get a credit card from us. <laughs> uh, they th- That came out in a news report. And, you know, so uh, when... Be, be smart about when you're going to debt, and, and then when you are going into debt, think about who you're going into debt with. Okay, that that's, that is two good pieces of advice um, from the millennial side of the equation. Hello. <laughs> and and it's, um, it's from me, too. Uh, it's social investing, social spending um, is something that we have always done in our family, and... Um, as far as, um, because we know that all we have is our money and our time. And those two things are what influence uh, the rest of the world. If everybody was thoughtful about how they spend their money and uh, where it goes, um, then I think the planet would be a much better place and we would all be much happier. Okay, there's. I'll get off my soapbox for that, <laughs> and transition to a discussion um, away from credit card management to hopefully a solution so that you don't ever have to use your credit card that way, which is something called in our family the rainy day fund. Um, this is a concept of kind of uh, an offshoot of pay yourself first. Mm-hmm. It's uh, building that savings habit, and it starts from the very first paycheck that you earn. And even if you are, even if you've been working for a little while and you haven't started doing that, um, then uh, you need to start it right now. Yeah, no time like the present. It doesn't take long to do to set up an automatic withdrawal out of your checking account into a savings account. Uh, there are many online banks. I think, Trevor, you use an online bank, don't do. you? Um, and it's very easy to set up uh, an automatic withdrawal of pay yourself first, put it in a savings account, uh, and build up that rainy day fund so that when you do have a big expense come up, uh, an, an emergency of some sort, then you have the cash available. And the other saying that my family gets so tired of me saying is that cash is king. So you always want to have a cash pad available somewhere. Mm -hmm. 
Rhymes with crash pad. <laughs> Something soft to fall on. Yeah, so um, even if you're not going to do an automatic withdrawal, I don't do an automatic withdrawal because my income is so fluid. It goes up and down. I still calculate 10%. I put it in my savings when I have it. Do that when the paycheck comes in. The very first thing. Yeah, it's the first thing I do. It's also really satisfying. <laughs> so that goes back to the budget guidelines of the uh, 10-10-80 uh, you need to, um, before you, uh, get to your wants, you do have to have an emergency backup plan. Now, as a CFO, a chief financial officer, my job is always to mitigate risk, to assess risk. And that's where the rainy day fund comes in. If you have a rainy day fund, you are, maybe you can't totally avoid the risk, but you can lessen the impact if you have cash available to you. So there's a lot of guidance about how big your emergency fund should be. Um, And uh, I recommend trying to get three months of living expenses in uh, your rainy day fund. Uh, That's a that's a pretty aggressive goal for a lot of people. Um, but doing the 10%, pay yourself first, uh, gets you started on that path. And it may take you a year, depending on your salary. But, um, but that's, that's what I recommend. If you even have just one month of expenses, if that's all you can manage given your situation, have that put away. Uh, to cover uh, uh, a small emergency. Yes, or like, you know, you get laid off, you're covered for a month. It doesn't, it might take you a little more than a month to find a job and you might need to go into a little bit of credit card debt. But (laughs) if you get laid off, take a day, maybe two days, hit the pavement looking for a job. It's also, it's motivating. Um, (laughs) There are, you will be able to find something in a month. At the very least, you will find something. (laughs) That's uh, that's a good point, that, that you'll find something. It does take a while for unemployment to kick in, as we've all found out uh, during this last go-round, uh, during uh, the 2020 shutdown of the economy. Uh, it took a while for benefits to come through, and there was a lot of scrambling going on. Yeah, it took me six weeks. Six weeks of being unemployed before I finally got my unemployment benefits. That's where the the rainy day fund comes in. <laughs> yeah, disappeared. But <laughs> fortunately, it was so generous. Uh, the aid that finally came in, I was able to rebuild my savings account and have a nice little cushion. Well, that's what it was designed to do. Um, so uh, in terms of uh, philosophy, really it comes back to pay yourself first build that emergency fund um, that helps with managing your credit card debt, uh, which we touched on. Um, And then uh, it also provides peace of mind, a little bit of breathing space so that you're not panicked and you're not desperate. Mm -hmm. And that's really important because if you're not panicked and you're not desperate, then you can think a little bit more clearly um, and start marshalling your resources to meet the emergency. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. I think uh, we pretty much covered it Mm -hmm. for this time around. I think so. 
Okay, so I'm Sherry Witt Snow. I'm Trevor Snow. And this has been another episode of Dosh Chronicles, and we hope that you will join us again.